1: welcome inside the locked on nfl draft podcast i am trevor sykema and if you thought that intro sounded really great it's because ben wasn't doing it anymore your boy is back taking control of the show that was always mine to begin with i'm back from europe had a good time um y'all who live in europe and i know there are people who listen to this podcast live over in europe Y'all gotta get more water fountains and more like public restrooms. That's all I'm gonna say. Because they were way too scarce. I was thirsty for like seven straight days. Uh, but I have returned to the States to this podcast. It's good to be back with you guys, but I'm not alone. Ben is not here with me. He is on vacation now. We kind of tag teamed in the airport. We high-fived a little bit. We didn't do that. Um But Ben is actually taking his vacation time now, which is very well-deserved. I was appreciative of him taking over the podcast. Hopefully, you guys really enjoyed that. I know we had some awesome guests. But I am also joined by a new guest. I'm not going to do this podcast by myself. You guys don't want to hear me talk for like 30 minutes by myself. So I have recruited my good friend, Mark Schofield, from Inside the Pylon. He is here with me today, and we are going to talk about his wheelhouse, which is the quarterback position. Mark, it's good to hear from you, man.
0: Trevor, it's great to hear from you, although I can't believe that I just feel for you, man. You go, you have this fantastic European vacation, you come back and you get stuck talking to me out of the gate about this quarterback class that, I mean, did you really expect that when you were like flying back from this trip, you were like, great, I'm going to sit down and talk about Daniel Jones when I get back into the groove here. I mean, is that really
1: what you wanted to do, Trev? Listen, man, the Europe trip was just warming me up for this podcast. This is the real treat. This yeah, right mean, here no. is the real, getting to talk to you on this podcast mm-hmm. is the real treat for yeah, me. Yeah,
0: as as opposed to, you know, USA, France,
1: 2-1. No. Yeah, that was a... Uh, I'd rather
0: be here, right.
1: I've, I've, I've just got to say, man, so I, yeah, I got, for everybody that doesn't know, that doesn't follow me on Instagram, one, I ate like a king. Y'all in Europe have some amazing food. And two, I did get to go to that USA-France game and... I was, I'll say this. Obviously, I wanted the USA to win, uh, but I was really glad France scored that one goal because my Lord, that stadium erupted. Yeah, what was that like? It. Oh, dude, it was great. So, so, France, you know, everything in Europe with soccer, they go crazy, right? They're basically chanting the whole time. It's a lot of fun, but. The French fans have this chant that they do in French, obviously. And the hard translation of it is basically if you're not bouncing, you're not French. And they just just jump up and down. Like they all jump up and down and do this chant. And obviously, you know, if you can't speak French, you're not going to know what they're talking about. So like you're not going to jump around. And that's so if you're not – I'm telling you, after they scored that goal and they did that chant – I thought the stadium was going to fall down. I thought yeah. the whole stadium was going to fall down. It was crazy. I've been to so many great college football games. That absolutely is up there with the best of them that I've ever seen. That was so much fun. That was great.
0: Yeah, I mean, it just looked like a fantastic match. must have been amazing to be there. But, hey, you know, enough of excellence at the at, in athletic endeavors. Let's talk some Daniel Jones.
1: Yes. Well, okay. I'm not going to get to Daniel Jones first. I'm going to warm it up a little bit, going to give the gonna give the people a little something dynamic to think about before we get to all the negative, before the Giants fans turn off the podcast as they often do. I'm sorry. I love you guys. Let's talk about Kyler Murray because I talked with you before the draft, and we actually had you on this podcast um, doing our mock draft series, but we also have asked you about quarterback things because you are somebody who brings a lot of experience and knowledge from the quarterback position into this whole scouting realm, and so as everybody was trying to kind of figure out Kyler Murray, we were picking your brain a little bit before the podcast, wondering if he was going to go number one overall. I think when we talked to you at the time, it did look like he was going number one. So now that it did happen, what do you think about this landing spot? Did you like did you like the fact that he went to a situation like he has with a dynamic guy like Cliff Kingsbury? Or maybe are you more worried about that, that a guy like Kyler Murray, a guy with unprecedented size in not the right way, is now going to an NFL head coach who is a first- time NFL head coach, doesn't exactly have an NFL coaching staff littered with experience. Um, how worried about you are this situation, or maybe you're not, Maybe you're overly confident about it. What do you think about Kyler's situation?
0: Yeah, I, I'm Trevor, I'm super excited about this entire situation. And I just want to say sort of at the outset, if you're a, a football fan, not just a Cardinals fan, but a football fan, if you like sort of new innovative schemes on both sides of the ball, you want Arizona to be good. You want this to be successful because they're going full in on what Cliff's version of an offense is going to be. And you look at some of the additions they made. Look, Andy Isabella, I think that was a great pick for them. Hakeem Butler, Keyshawn Johnson. This is going to be a, a much more improved shall We say wide receiver group than what they had last year. You know, I think, Obviously, Cliff is going to use David Johnson much more effectively than Mm -hmm. he was used last year, especially under McCoy. And so you want this to be successful because they're going to do things in a new and innovative way. But let's face it. This was the offense that Murray was recruited to run by Cliff. You know, back when he was at Texas Tech, he wanted them to run this scheme. And so I think that the fit is going to be great. I think there's going to be familiarity for Murray in terms of what he's asked to do. Mm -hmm. And the thing about him that is so important to remember is that you know, he was a very good, very advanced pocket passer. He wasn't, obviously because of his athleticism, people thought, oh, he's just running around and creating back there. And yes, he can do that. But you saw him working through reads. You saw him making snap decisions. You saw him making reads on plays that even Dwayne Haskins was running and making mistakes on in terms of the reads. Like when they would run mesh with a sit over the top of it, you would see Murray make quick decisions. Haskins sometimes would be a little hesitant, be a little slower with his Mm reads. And Haskins is a brilliant football player, brilliant quarterback. And so I think this is a fantastic fit. I want to see it be successful. I think it will be. And if you have sort of hesitations about Murray because of his size and you think he's going to get banged up because he runs around, the best thing about him, I think, is that he protects himself so well. And it might be the baseball background, but you see him sliding, you see him ducking out of bounds. He's going to sacrifice a potential home run type run to get up and play the next down. he'll Like I said, he'll duck out of bounds, he'll avoid hits. I think this is going to be great. I think they're going to be a great fantasy football minefield. They're going to put up some numbers. Maybe they're a year or two away from being competitive in terms of a playoff run, but I think this could work.
1: Oh, that's good. I that's a good little fancy nugget in there. Uh I'll uh, I'll just keep that in my uh front pocket there you go. here. Just, um Yeah, just actually, edit that part out. Yeah, I'm going to take that part out of the podcast so people yeah. won't hear that. So I get to draft some of those some of those later guys sooner. And it's, you know it's funny you kind of you're you're bringing up a, a little bit of what Kyler Murray does from the quarterback position I think from the shoulders up because um and really just his ability overall because I'm going back and I've, I have started my got 2020 scouting ben and i have even on this podcast and you know i'm watching guys like cd lamb and trey sermon and kennedy brooks and grant calcaterra and, and those guys and i'm sitting here watching these tapes and murray's and all of them and i keep going man did people overthink this guy like i know he hasn't played an nfl snap yet but you just watch this guy play and you go like this kid's good He's why did it so why did different. it take us so long in the seat because I feel I felt like there were some people who were who were on the uh, who were on the Kyler Murray train early. Shout out JC, I know you wanted that shout out. Yeah. You were you were big time on the Kyler Murray train, but what? like it took us. Yeah, he was. So it took us so long, I think, just as a media as a whole to accept that Kyler Murray was not only going to play football, but like could play football on the NFL level. And I go back and I watch it now, and I'm just like, man, it was obvious. Like this kid's yeah. so good
0: it was obvious and from the arm talent you know from the head down to the feet and the legs and what he can do as a runner i mean he yeah. i've described him before he's an absolute angle eraser you see that touchdown run against army yes. when both linebackers and both safeties had the angle on him he's like nah nah i'm i'm outright at everybody you know, I, I think part of it you remember back to the conversations in the stands at the senior bowl, we were all just like waited on the measurements. And yeah. I think that was part of it for a lot of us. One, there was the baseball thing. Look, you get drafted in the first round of a sport. even if it's baseball, you know when there's a longer career path, you might think, you know the guy's gonna stay with that. And then, look, the measurements, it it did sort of matter. And I know it sounds artificial, but, look, he had to sort of check in at the 200. He had to sort of check in at the you know 510 because people wanted to make sure he was still in that Russell Wilson, not Doug Flutie, you know, Mark Schofield size. Like, look, guys <laughs> like me are not playing in the NFL. Let's face it. But I think that was kind of the hand But when you turn the tape on and you watch him do these things that – we just frankly don't see every day. Mm-hmm. He's special. And I think it is gonna translate. And and you know, for the guys that came before him, like the Vernon Adamses and the Doug Fluties and the smaller undersized guys that didn't get a shot, yeah. the game's opened up a way schematically. And plus, let's not forget the rules too that have made it a little bit easier for quarterbacks. He's going to have an opportunity in front of him to really take advantage of it. I think it's sort of like the perfect storm of coach, of scheme, of player, and it's going to be fun to watch. Like I said, if you're a football fan, you want to root for Arizona, even if you, you know, if you are a Rams fan or a Seahawks fan, you still want to see them be successful because it's going to, you know, move the game forward. If it right. crashes, it burns then we don't want to go back to 21 personnel fullback dive on Mm -hmm. third and three. Like, nobody wants that. Even Patriots (laughs) fans who just want a Super Bowl doing it, we don't want that.
1: Yeah. All right, so let's get to – I'm excited about the Murray stuff too. I really am. I was a little hesitant on it at first. I I am much more hesitant on Cliff Kingsbury than I am with Kyler Murray. But if those guys you know, come together and can really make something happen, I'm with you. It's going to be a lot more fun to the league. Uh, Speaking of fun, boatloads of it. Tons of it. Can't move it enough. Daniel Jones going six overall to the New York Giants. I want to know, okay, I want to know, Mark, the second you figured that out, whether it was you watching it live on the broadcast or whether you were on Twitter and saw that it got confirmed that Daniel Jones was going number six overall to the New York Giants. Give me the raw reaction of what you were thinking.
0: Are you going to have to dump me? Are you going to have to bleep this out? Because I had to write about it for Big Blue View. I had to go fire up the computer and realize that I had to like put lipstick on this pig for a Giants website. <laughs> and I tried the best I could. Look, I, his Madden rating, that kind of says it all. I didn't He's even see behind, what was his Madden rating. 63. He's behind Tyree Jackson. Oh, my goodness. The number six overall pick behind an undrafted free agent quarterback. Now look, Madden ratings aren't the be-all and end-all of what a player is going to be. Tom Brady's was like 58, but that's when, you know, they were just flipping coins in the EA offices. They didn't really study it like they do now. But look, it's a it's it's a tough pill to swallow if you're a Giants fan. I know, and and now believe me, as somebody that now covers the Giants a little bit and has to write about Daniel Jones, the blowback. They're standing for their guy, and I get it. It's what you got to do. Best case scenario for Jones
1: is mm-hmm. this.
0: Going into, say, senior bowl week when I'd pretty much done my work on him, I thought he was going to have a good senior bowl week because he's a West Coast quarterback. That's what he is. He's a quick game, quick read, one read and get it out of your hands type of guy. He's going to play for Gruden. Gruden's Mr. West Coast. It's going to be great. And Trevor, how did he look down at Mobile, at least during the practice week? You know, not great. Not great, Bob. I mean, I think to that that Wednesday that we didn't get to see, but I watched – cause it got rained out. I watched it, you know, on the film at the film room afterwards. And I watched his seven on seven and his first three throws were he throws an out route to the left, a quick five yard out and he air mails it. Then he like hitches three times, stares down a curl route to his left and he gets picked six. And then the same next play, same type of route to the left. His guy falls down. He throws it anyway and it gets picked six. And I literally just it was one of those put the pen down moments. Like, what are we doing here? Like, why what have I done with my life? What has brought me to this moment where I'm sitting here in a hotel conference room in Mobile, <laughs> Alabama, watching this guy struggle to play the game that he loves? Like, what what have I done wrong? <laughs> but at the same time, if Pat Schumer is like going all in on a West Coast type vision and you look at some of the decisions that they've made, yes, traded Odell, it didn't make sense at the time. I don't think it will ever make sense to me or most Giants fans, but they're going in on Sterling Shepard and Golden Tate and Evan Ingram and Saquon Barkley out of the backfield. And what does that scream to me? It screams a West Coast offense. It screams like we're going to get the ball into our yeah. quarterback's hands and get it out of his hands. We've got guys like Tate and Shepard and Ingram and Barkley, who's a great receiving talent. And that's what we're going to call it all in on. And that's the kind of offense he's best suited to run. So in that like completely narrow, like really thread of the needle type view, it makes sense. But. Where
1: did you think? Yeah. Okay, sorry, sorry, I didn't. No, want to I mean
0: you. it's just that's a lot of ifs and buts and maybes, and if we're wrong about that, and they're trying something different, then this could tumble right. fast.
1: Right, right. I was going to ask you. So, okay, so the dude goes obviously number six overall, and you're sitting there thinking to yourself, like, what are we doing? And I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I fired off the tweets immediately oh, yeah. the second I knew that that thing happened. Where would you have felt comfortable drafting Daniel Jones? I said this to
0: you at bed when I was on doing the mock draft, if Jones was there at 32, I would grudgingly have understood the Patriots taking him
2: mm-hmm. like,
0: like he was quarterback. What was he? He was after ripping for me. I mean, again, you want to talk about getting things wrong and dying on a hill, but like, he was like QB five or six. I, I mean, mean I, uh,
1: yeah, no, that's I fine. I would mean. have thought like,
0: day two like like where drew Locke went i would have thought like that would be sort of an ideal situation Mm -hmm. if a team at 32 wanted to either draft him say it was new england or another team that wanted that fifth year option i thought that would have made sense but i just i didn't see it but again of course this is that whole we get such a small sliver of information we get film this yeah and so maybe if there are rumblings or whatever, you know, Gettleman's close to the guys down in Durham and, you know, they know that maybe, you know, they talk to Gettleman and they're like, look, he could do so much more. Like we were limited offensively or we were hamstrung with what we could do with him with, because of being mm-hmm. X, Y, and Z, and he could be much more in the pros with NFL coaching and talent around him, then like, sure. But, you know, maybe other teams were hearing that because, look, we both heard, you and I know we both heard that other teams had him. You know, as QB one or even QB two, like other teams were going to potentially draft him early in the first round. It wasn't just New York. And so, you know, teams get access to info. We don't get, but based off of film and senior study and all that stuff, it's not great. Bob, uh,
1: where, where, when, sorry, when do you think that he's going to start? Do you think it's going to be this year?
0: I think he starts this year. I mean,
1: you can't draft a guy six overall and not start him. Here's
0: the thing that he we have to, arms and noodle. I mean, it doesn't look great. I mean, uh, I've seen some better throws from people throwing t-shirts into the stands recently. <laughs> the thing with the thing with the giants, that's interesting to think about is right now we think about what, uh, as a team with a rookie quarterback, you have to maximize that rookie deal, right? You have to go all in, look right, at the Rams, right. look at the bears. If you're the giants, you gotta maximize Saquon's rookie deal because he's your best offensive player. He might be the no, best yeah, player no question. Yeah, and he's gonna get paid at the end of this deal. And we know what can happen to running backs the longer they play. And he's gonna see a ton of carries, of targets. They're gonna run. It's gonna be like the Randy ratio, but for Saquon. And so you gotta maximize his deal. If Eli doesn't have it, you're gonna know it pretty quickly. You might know it right now. You gotta get Jones out there because you gotta have him ready to. This might be a lost year for you, but you have to be ready to in twenty twenty make a playoff run with your young rookie quarterback to maximize what's left of Barkley's rookie deal.
1: Yeah, no, that's fair. I I, I think that's a decent I, I think that's the way that they've kinda gotta look at it. Because they have even though to. yeah, even though that I think it's it's dumb to emphasize a running back that way, especially financially. Um, Saquon seems like one of those guys that as long as he's healthy, which I certainly hope that he does because he's extremely fun to watch, when this guy gets to the end of his deal, he's going to then command the most money out of any any running back. And unfortunately for the Giants, Saquon Barkley does so much in the receiving game that he's going to sit there and be like, Like, because the gap in between where running backs get paid is crazy. When Le'Veon got that franchise tag, I think it was—I think at one point it was Le'Veon getting paid 14 mil for that franchise tag year, and then the next highest running back in the league was getting eight million a year. Was Devonta Freeman? So that's that's nearly double, and I'm afraid that the Giants are going to have to pay double the second-highest-paid running back's market value just to keep Saquon. And at that point, that sucks. That sucks because there's no way Saquon brings that much of a gap even though he is that – Awesome of a player just strictly off of the position that he plays. It's just the value is not there. And the Gettleman and the Giants have set themselves up to spend their money in the wrong ways in so many categories.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, looking at the average per year of the top three running backs right now, Gurley, Bell, and David Johnson, it's 14.3, 13.1, 13 13 even. And then you get Barkley sitting there at 7.7 right now. He's 22. I mean, by the time he's up for a deal, he's gonna be like, "You gotta pay me fifteen, sixteen million per." Oh, easily,
1: easily. And
0: if you're the Giants, can you do that when you know you've probably, if you've gotten to that point, you might have to pay Daniel Jones.
2: They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day.
1: Yeah, no, it's they're setting themselves up for some rough sales with with that cap. Um, Wanted to move on to Wayne Haskins. Wanted to talk to you a little bit about him because you were you were praising him a little bit earlier in this podcast when we were when we were talking about Murray. Uh, you were giving a little bit of a comparison there. How did you like this this slide a little bit to number 15? Did you think that he was going to get to 15? Uh, are you happy that he's there there in Washington with Gruden?
0: Yeah, I didn't think he was going to slide this far. I mean, I I, I really sort of went he, back he and He didn't forth. either, apparently. Yeah, I really sort of, yeah, I mean, you could see him. It's he, sort of like that Rosen effect from last year where Rosen came out all bitter because he slid. And look, right. I like to see that. You like to see a little fire. I, I really sort of you know, I really went back and forth between Murray and Haskins. I like both of these guys. I love Murray basically from snap to release because he's so good in the pre-snap phase. You can see him making adjustments. He's doing it on his own. You watch him against Purdue. You watch him against Penn State. You know, he's ca- he's identified blitzes. And, he, like, he had a play against Purdue, fourth and eight. They're down by two scores, but you still want to see him compete in that situation in the fourth quarter. And he is. Mm-hmm. They show a blitz look all out pressure look on a fourth and eight. So he changed the protection. Then they drop. They don't even blitz at all. They'd like rush three and he still threads the needle between the safeties on a post for a touchdown. I'm like, look, look, that's NFL stuff. <laughs> I think two things are really going to work with him. One, I think Gruden's offense and how they can, const- how he likes to construct an offense stays a little bit aggressive in the downfield passing game, likes to sure. get half field reads, which I think are really going to help his development in his transition. That's going to be a great fit for him. And two, being in the D.C. area, I mean, let's not forget, like, he's sort of a D.C. guy. Like, he went to a Maryland high school, and he's sort of coming home. And I think, you know, this area sort of loves him. He was going to go to Maryland, you know, before they had a coaching change there, and that's when yeah. Urban Meyer stepped in. You know, he's going to, if he just comes out and plays well as a rookie, this town, look, I'm 20 minutes from FedEx Field. This town is going to adore him. It's like I was here when RG3 sort of took off as a rookie. And this town, it is a Redskins town. And it's not a sports town. It's not obviously not a Nationals town. The Caps, yeah, they get some love. But deep down, this is a Redskins town. And, um, you know, him coming to this city, kind of being a local kid, kind Mm -hmm. of coming back home after he's going to go to Maryland, I think that's a great fit too. I, I like him as a player. He needs to refine some things, ball placement, mechanics, and things like that. He's not a running quarterback, let's just sort of say that, you know, because we have to, because we can take a Stephen A. Smith shot. This town is going to love him. I think he's going to fit in well. And look, get in Terry McLaurin when they did. Yeah. That's a nice piece for him. It really Some is. familiarity there. And Kelvin Harmon in the sixth. Time on to dunk on real, myself dude. for a second. In the mock draft with you guys, I had him at 32 for New England. I got <laughs> the position right. He dude. fell to the sixth round.
1: That's Bro, a him, him. And Hakeem Butler, yeah. I just don't understand. Like, you, I, get, I, I guess I get it with Kelvin Harmon because he doesn't separate. Yeah, he
0: doesn't separate. But, but look, it, there are it, other guys that struggle to separate that got drafted well before what? he did. And the thing with Harmon, the reason I liked him is he could at least win versus press. You saw that from him of times on film. And it's like, what do you see the most in the NFL? You're going to see press coverage. Most college wide receivers don't see it. And that's what they struggle with. So Dude, I,
1: It was wild. I, I, as those guys dropped, I, my mouth was just open every time that a receiver got picked, and it yep. wasn't Kel- – well, it, when it, it that it wasn't Hakeem Butler first, and then Kelvin Harmon second. That's crazy. I, I think that they've actually got a, a decent receiver group there uh, to help Dwayne Haskins out. Now, I did want to ask you a, another question about Haskins because when I watched him – I thought that there were some flashes of things that he he really did well. There were flashes when he could put touch on the ball. There were flashes when he had great accuracy. And there were flashes when he could get that ball deep down the field. But I felt like as I watched his tape as a whole, um, Ohio State just keeps things very simple. Because Ohio State somehow figured out that they were allowed to recruit really athletic players. And the rest of the Big Ten is like, wait, I thought that was illegal. I I didn't think that we could do it. And I guess, like, the court case is still pending because the the Big Ten's still not doing it. And Ohio State's just waltzing away with these Big Ten titles, it seems. But you notice in the concepts of the offense that Ohio State runs that – it's a lot of mesh. It's a lot of yeah. simple. It's a lot of this that it's getting the ball out of his hands quickly to his playmakers in space. Um, bubble bubble screens as yeah. well. Those are a part of the game plan. And so, what would you say to say like somebody like me who would bring that up with Dwayne Haskins, and how you see him progressing a little bit in the NFL? You brought up kind of the, those those half field reads and things like that. Is that what makes this a good? a good spot for him overall even from a scheme standpoint and do you uh how do you how do you envision him i guess like progressing like what's the next step to to going from being a college quarterback who a lot had a lot of success based solely off scheme and the rest of the team being more athletic than everybody else into transitioning into a fully fledged nfl quarterback that's like reading the field and making the right moves
0: yeah yeah it's a great question trevor it's Going to be the first sort of developmental hurdle that he faces because, you know, like you said, look, Ohio State had athletes. They had guys that they could just get the ball to in space and they were going to be, for the most part, better. They were guys that would consistently win one on one matchups. And you're not going to get that in the NFL. You might, you know, if the offensive coordinator or the offensive minded head coach does his job and scheme some stuff up, you might get some easy one on one reads and some good matchups, but that won't always happen. You're going to have to do more from a mental standpoint. And So what I want to see from Gruden is, like I sort of said, those half-field concepts where you simplify the part of the field that the quarterback actually has to scan through. And I know that sounds – an easier said than done but it really
1: is like you can how, how common is that in the nfl because it's extremely I hear, common is it okay because and you, you know you you recognize concepts and things much more easily than i do but i hear a lot of like what you're saying and like when i think of like oh like half field reads like part of me is like goes back to like what baylor does you know like these big 12 teams where it's like half the field's not even running their routes but i mean it, it's it's that's an extreme version of it, I guess. But you, right. This is so this is a common thing in the NFL where you're really yeah, kind of like, simplifying find it that much.
0: Take, for example, a play in the Patriots playbook, a concept called pacer, it's a three level. High intermediate low read, so you're still like stretching the entire field. Mm-hmm. And what it incorporates is what they call indigo on the backside, where you have the outside receiver running the dig and the inside receiver running a slant, which they can convert based on middle field open, middle field closed. So that's your high and your intermediate. It's say on this example, it's to the left side of the field, and then the third part is an under route which comes from the right side of the formation across over the middle, and underneath to the left. So on that concept, Tom Brady is be- Tom Brady's just reading the left side of the field. And they've got the conversions built in, that seam, narrow, that vertical route from the slot receiver. If the middle of the field is open, he's going to convert that to a post. If it's closed, he's going to stay vertical. And that gives Tom Brady the ability to just read the left side of the formation. He's got technically four options to throw to. And that's what the Patriots are doing for Tom Brady. And he's mm-hmm. arguably the greatest quarterback of all time. Yeah. And so you, and a lot, a lot of other ways that you could do it. You could run what we call mirrored passing concepts. And this is again, Super Bowl Fifty Three. What do the Patriots do? Three state plays in a row. They run hoss wide juke, which is a mirrored route concept. Outside receivers run hitches. Inside receivers or slot receivers run slants. And Edelman runs their juke route, which is a staple of their offense. Where you come to the middle of the field at about four yards. You make eye contact with a quarterback, and then you make your move. Either you stay across the formation, you sit down versus zone, or you break back to the outside. They ran it three straight times. It's a mirrored passing concept, which is basically a half-field read. Brady sees the coverage. All right, well, they're in this coverage. I'll look to the left. They're in this coverage. I'll look to the right. They're in another coverage. I can come to Edelman on the juke route. It's basic stuff, but you can do that for Tom Brady. You can certainly do it for Dwayne Haskins, and that's what's going to help him develop. It's those... Reads where he can just get out and all he has to do is see the safeties, determine the coverage that he knows. I'll not have to just look to the left or just look to the right. It simplifies the, def- the read process for the quarterback, but it still stresses the defense from sideline to sideline from line of scrimmage and deep.
1: No, that's uh, that's that's brilliant analysis. I'm glad that you brought that up and kind of simplified it in that way because that's something that I always wonder about, and I'm sure it's a lot of people too, as they kind of learn more about the game of football, watching the college concepts and splitting the things into half field. And we always hear things like, "Oh, you got to be pro ready," or "You've got to be ready to see an NFL field," or things like that. But uh, we got to (laughs) be what?
0: Yeah, that 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 pro ready thing that just reminds me of senior bowl talking to Gardner Minshew who's running Mike Leach's air raid and yes. I asked him like you know what about Leach's offense is getting you ready you know to make the next step and he just looked at me he's like I'm making four five progression reads full field reads every single play and he looks me dead in the eye and he's like that's a lot more than they're asking these guys in these quote and he literally Trev hit me with the air quotes with these quote pro style college ready like Damn. offenses and I was just like <laughs> oh stock up.
2: Drive you.
0: But I mean, that's, stud. but that's what these offenses do. Like you yeah. stress the field from sideline to sideline and you make it easy
1: for the quarterback. I think that we often forget that just because it's at the pro level doesn't mean that it can still, it, it can't be simple in, yeah. in certain ways. Right. I mean, they, these coaches get paid a lot of money to make things as simple as possible. Cause what? that turns into a that's
0: their job. That's why right. like, when we have these debates over, like, you know, whether Brady is great or whether, you know, who's the top quarterback in the league, whatever. Oh, you know, Patrick Mahomes is the best quarterback right now because he has to create some stuff. Like Andy Reid's not dialing stuff up to get him open. Right, the guy's right. Over that's your job. The Patriots do so much to help Tom Brady before the ball is even snapped from mm-hmm. motion to shift to mm-hmm. get in matchups, to get a Rex Burkhead lined up against a middle linebacker, two down thumper type. Like, you got to help your guys. And these new concepts that are working their way into the NFL, you know, people want to deride the air raid. Every NFL team has mesh in their playbook. Every single NFL team is running mash. Like, period. Why? Because it works.
1: Listen, I've played NCAA football enough. There you go. Uh, the video game to know that the mesh concept works. Okay. Last, last guy I want to get to from my angle. Uh, let's talk a little bit about drew lock. How'd you like his landing spot? Did you think that he would slide to the second round? Cause I really didn't. I did not think that drew lock was going to make it to the second round. He ends up in Denver. What do you think about his situation? Being Joe Flacco's backup?
0: I, I I was stunned when he fell out of the first round. I Crazy, thought, man. you know, similar to what we were talking about me with Daniel Jones, that at least at 30 or 31 or 32, a team was gonna come back in and go grab him. I think if you're Elway, look, you nailed. You nailed this draft. I think Elway yeah. did such a yep. great job. I mean, you get the tight end from Iowa. No fan, which I think is a perfect f- fit for their offense. And for Joe Flacco, let's face it. The dude likes to throw to tight ends. So you get him in the first round. You get Reisner that everybody fell in love with through the draft process. You can slot him in at one of the guard spots. And then to get true lock. I mean, those are three pretty good picks. We don't know how they all fare, but sitting here right now in July, they look great. You know, lock is a guy that I love his arm. I think over the course of his time, you know, Trevor, you mentioned that sort of Baylor offense. That's what he was running as a freshman, as a sophomore, even as a junior. Like it was a lot of slants, a lot of goes, a lot of hitches, like everything was hash marks and outside. But then under Dooley, like you saw him running more, and I'm sort of contradicting myself here, but you saw him running more NFL concepts. Like he was thrown to the middle of the field. He was, you know, challenging the safeties. He wasn't just taking safe throws. And you saw some growth in him as a passer. You know, the thing I'm interested to see from him is You know, with some quarterbacks that have good arm talent, and he does, like Josh Allen from a year prior, that can be sort of a double-edged sword. It can bail you out of some situations. Like if you get, you know, coverage that confuses you, you'd still make a late throw, but it's going to get there because of your arm. But that enables you to sometimes not rely so much on the mental part of it and you saw throws with Locke against Wyoming against some other schools where he was just late with his reads and he should have gotten intercepted, but he wasn't because the ball gets there so fast. It's not going to work at the NFL. So I do want to see him take that step. But I think this is a good fit for him because he won't have to play right away. And plus – Let's face it, going to the second round, that changes the expectations game. Right. You know, we're talking about right. Daniel Jones, Drew Locke. One of those guys, like you just said, is he's got to see the field. Drew yeah. Locke can wait. I mean, if he doesn't start this year, maybe doesn't start next year and takes over in year three, I think people would be kind of okay with that. And so I think he's in a good position to sort of sit, to learn, to refine the things he needs to refine, to get ready from a mental standpoint. And sort of hold off Brett Ripon, who's breathing down his neck for that two spot. I just had to sneak that in there.
1: <laughs> of course you did. I was gonna. So okay, you bringing up Brett Ripon. Uh, one more question before you go. There are there any quarterbacks that I didn't name after those top four guys? Where hey, you, you, you're you're looking at them. You look where they went. You really like their spot. And, it, you know, it doesn't have to be. Obviously, these are guys who are getting drafted later in the draft. So I'm not talking about taking a starter's job right away or something like that. But is there a guy who you, you really like the fit of, the situation of, with maybe the coaching staff or the scheme or maybe the time that they'll have to learn develop?
2: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: You know, I think Greer ended up in Carolina. Okay, all right, yeah. uh, Because Carolina had to take a quarterback, like period, full stop. Uh, Cam Newton, love him. I think he's incredibly talented. He's so much fun to watch. Hope he's completely healed up. Behind him, they had Kyle Allen and Taylor Heineke like not the best backup room, not the best backup situation, especially for a quarterback that's banged up, that plays physical, that will be a lead blocker if he's asked to do that. And so they needed to draft somebody. I think Will Greer is a fascinating guy to think about because North Turner, air choreo guy, likes to air it out. I think that sort of fits with Greer, and I think he's an immediate upgrade in that quarterback room. He's probably immediately their number two. And so I'm pretty excited about where he ended up. You know, some of the other quarterbacks where they fell – we mentioned Gardner Minshew. I think that's a very interesting fit for it him. Really
1: is, yeah. Where yeah, he ended I up mean, Jacksonville.
0: yeah, ends up there in Jacksonville, and we all sort of expect, yeah, Nick Foles is going to be the guy. They gave him a ton of money. We, you know, we can all certainly understand that. But you know, a couple of years down the road, maybe yeah, ain't that long for
1: though. Sure. That dude wants to retire, man. He yeah, wants, I mean, he wants to retire.
0: Yeah. So I mean, that's going to be fun to watch. I'll mention Jared Stidham. Look, anytime the Patriots draft a quarterback, it's fascinating. Stidham had a nice Senior Bowl week. I mean, looks great throwing the ball in helmet and shorts. Right, he has Jared, some flashes.
1: But, Jared said in praise, we got to get this podcast out of here. No, I'm just kidding.
0: <laughs> but, I mean, look, he's such a t- he was such a tough evaluation because you could see what he did in the senior bowl, and you saw, like, bits and pieces here and there, but the complete finished product was such still a big question mark. I mean, and so – when the Patriots draft a quarterback, people think immediately that, oh, he's going to be the next Garoppolo. They're going to spin him for a second round or a couple years down the road. There's a big wait and see on that. I think it's going to be interesting to see if he develops, how he's handled. I think if there's a situation for him where he could develop nicely, it would be in a situation like this where he won't have to play anytime soon. Um, so I'll slink that in there. Easton Stick. There was a the guy. You know, your boy East quarterback, your um, boy, no, no, I was not <laughs> a stick fan. I remember you guys and kissed and everybody down at the shrine bowl being like, mm, I don't know about this guy. And
1: uh, yeah, it was weird. Cause I thought that going into it, uh, I thought that Easton stick was going to stand out more than anybody yeah. and he didn't did not Yeah. I mean, Ryan
0: Finley's another interesting one. Uh, I, I, you could see a situation where if that, that, that Bengals team struggles, yeah. They might say we got to see what we've got in this kid before we make a decision about 2020. Um, boy. So he might get some play early, but yeah, I mean, an interesting class. Yeah, I'm she, happy she. to like sort of put it to bed because 2020, oh baby, oh this is going to be fun. I,
1: feel, I, I am
0: so excited about this next class. I can't even believe it. It's going to be great. It's, we are go ahead. East Coast kids. Get the yeah. coffee ready. Yeah. Because we got Jordan Love. We got Herbert. We got Cole McDonald out there in Hawaii with the dreads and firing off sniper rounds. Did you see that picture of him and Rolo?
1: No, I didn't. There's
0: a picture that Rolo put out of him and Cole McDonald with these huge sniper rifles doing some what? shooting. <laughs> Yeah, was go into just, my Twitter. I w- I shared it with um Clawson and, and your boy Ben today. Okay. Yeah, it's from like four days ago. It was when you were traveling and eating your way through Paris and Belgium. It's hilarious. Kiss oh, told me he's like, he's not QB1. He's the only QB now that matters. <laughs> That's it. But look, though, you've got such great passers, such great talent on the West Coast alone. And then, of course, look, you've got Tua. You know, you've got Fromm. You've got Fields. It's, it's going to be – you've got Mon. It's such a good quarterback class. And, of course, look, hand in the distance – Trevor Lawrence, I mean, this is going to be a fun right. quarterback year to no, study. It's, it's,
1: it's going to be great, and, and so I'm, I'm looking forward to to watching this quarterback class. We got to a little a little bit when we were going through our summer scouting series of quarterbacks, and there's a lot to get excited about. I mean, Ben and I, I think, looked at shoot almost like 15 quarterbacks going into the year. And I almost never do that just because there's a lot of names that we want to know. Mark, I'm sure that we're going to get your thoughts on a lot of those guys throughout the year. I'm really looking forward to that. Thanks so much for joining me today, man. Saving the people from having to listen to me for basically like 20, 30 straight minutes. So I'm sure everybody appreciated that. Thanks so much for joining me, man. Of course, buddy. Always a blast to be with you, my friend. All right, guys, we got fan Friday coming up tomorrow. Brad Kelly's going to be on the show. I'm we're switching it up. And so, you know, you normally ask me and Ben some crazy questions, but this time you get to open fire at Brad. So Fire off the questions during your 4th of July while you've had a couple of alcoholic beverages, as long as you're old enough to do so. Of course, we're responsible on this podcast. Fire off some questions to us. I'll get the tweet out pretty early in the day so you guys can fill that up with questions so we can get an awesome Fan Friday going on tomorrow. Until then, you guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.
2: If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked on NFL Scouting Podcast.